And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we are back. Thank you for joining us for yet another episode of the Startup Hustle podcast. I'm your host, Lauren Conaway, founder and CEO of Innovate Her KC, and we are so excited to tell you about today's sponsor. Today's episode of Startup Hustle is sponsored by Fullscale.io, and they can help you build a software team quickly and affordably. So today we are joined. I'm actually extremely excited for this conversation. I was excited before, but then we just had a prep session with Ian Clifford. Ian is CEO of Fuel Positive, and Ian and I started to have the kind of conversation that makes me think to myself, damn, I wish I had already started recording. And so I am very much looking forward to talking to Ian. Ian, thank you so much for being with us here today. Oh, thanks, Lauren. It's it's great to join you. Well, and, and so I just, I want to get right into it because I feel like we have so many different conversational paths that we could take as evidenced by our prep uh, our, our prep session. So I'm just going to go ahead and ask you, you know, Ian, tell us about your journey. Tell us your story. My, my journey has been, um, really multifaceted. I, I, I actually started, um, started at a very young age, um, working with my father who was an architect. So I'm a teenager here. Um, and we had a little farm north of Toronto and, uh, he wanted to be an organic farmer. And some of my early memories with him is, you know, riding on an old tractor together and, and plowing fields and, and growing organic spelt and doing oh, wow. this, it, it was like this bizarre spelt is a grain, is it not? Yeah, spelt's a grain, and it's a very—it's an ancient grain. Yeah. So it's, it was an, not Are only was it about a, it like in in the Bible and things like that. <laughs> I think you're right. Yeah. I mean, it's the amaranth and spelt and these things. That's that, right. Uh, That's know, right. I know. I know. So we we I so as a as a as a city kid, I was exposed to farming at a really young age, and it gave me an appreciation. Um, for the land, but also, you know, for the, how hard it was to be a farmer. And yeah. it's interesting because I didn't really get back to it until a couple of years ago um, when, uh, when we started Fuel Positive and we looked at, uh, at farming specifically around, um, around ammonia. And, and I mean, it's a detailed and long discussion about uh, the technology, but it's totally applicable to farming and totally applicable to helping farmers um, uh, do uh, not only the environmentally the right thing, but also to relieve farmers of some of the biggest stresses in their li daily lives. And that's the cost of fertilizer, sure. uh, the, cost of, the cost of fuel, and the supply of both of those major inputs into farming. So, um, so it was funny to go kind of full circle um, from a kid sitting on a tractor, not really knowing what I was doing then to, 
to now supplying um, systems to farmers uh, around the world uh, to help alleviate some of the fundamental stresses uh, that that affect farmers today. Well, and I and I have to ask um, your dad. How does your dad feel about it? <laughs> well, sadly, I lost my dad about eleven years ago. Oh um, no! But he's I, I I can still feel him uh, very present in all of this. So it it's really neat whenever. Uh, whenever I'm thinking about um, how farmers are, th- you know, reacting to what we're doing or interested in what we're doing, I, I always invoke my father's voice in the conversation in that he was so concerned about, you know, um, about the health of the land, about the yeah. quality of what we eat, um, about organic farming at the time was, you know, it was very, very early in its, um, in its adoption. So it was a very, um, so his, his sentiment, um, you know, really informs me, uh, on a daily basis, which is great. It's great to have that. Well, and, and what a, what a legacy and what an honor, uh, to, to your father, like, Hey, you instilled this in me when I was young and now I'm carrying those principles forward to make, a really deep global impact. That's that, that is a beautiful origin story. My goodness. Well, it, it's, <laughs> no, it's funny. Cause I hadn't, I hadn't thought of it in that context until we started talking about it because, um, because the connections were, because my, my life went through, I've gone through many, many different iterations of, of, of um of professional work over the over the years all of which has had kind of an environmental significant environmental component so that's always been part of um part of who i am in terms of my priorities but going to farming because and the reason for that is is interesting because um, ammonia Mm -hmm. today and ammonia has been produced um as a chemical for the last um century and it's one of the most carbon intense manufacturing processes on the planet. So for every ton of ammonia that's manufactured utilizing fossil fuels, you have about four tons, between two and four tons of emissions, carbon emissions uh, in the production. So this is a really carbon intense material, but 80% of ammonia that's been produced over the last century goes to agriculture as a fertilizer. So ammonia has this huge nitrogen content. Every plant on the planet needs nitrogen. And, uh, and farmers have been stuck with the, this is the only option up to now in terms sure. of how to fertilize plants. And, and we've, we've created a system now that farmers can have on their farms. So they don't have to, they don't have to rely on a, a huge global supply chain massive price fluctuations, supply chain issues um, that have, of course, been exacerbated by COVID. And now the situation in, the, in Ukraine has made it even worse um, sure. and pricing, pricing just all over the place. So it, like one farmer in, in Manitoba who we're working with today, a year ago, they paid about 600 bucks a ton for, uh, for ammonia delivered mm-hmm. to the farm. Today, it's about $2,400 a, a ton. And this is their major input cost, right? So this is a yeah. huge, huge, um, incredibly strenuous and stressful part of, of, of the farming business. And we're trying to say, no, there's a better way of doing this. You can do it on your farm. We can make this easy for you, carbon-free um, and cost uh, absolutely cost competitive. And the price isn't going to change over the next 30 years. So this is yeah. what, 
that's that's what we're offering. Well, I, and that's incredible because you, you have found a way to to marry social impact. Um, you know, fact remains that we we are constantly looking for you know clean energy sources and ways to to innovate uh, and reduce that that carbon footprint. Like we we hear this in the media. Um, you know, climate change, like how can we, can we slow the progression? How can we kind of create a sustainable future for our world? So, so you're doing all of this over here. You're, you're starting a movement of sorts, but you're also very tactily making a farmer's job easier. And that has to, that has to feel really good. Does it feel really good? <laughs> it, it, feel, it feels amazing, actually. Uh, and I, I sort of underestimated how profound um, the response would be. I, I think all of us in the company did. We didn't realize how significant the the need is, but also the level of of both economic and and mental stress on yeah. farmers. Um, I mean, climate change is hard enough as a farmer, as you can imagine. But when your key inputs, you know, fertilizer and fuel, are so vulnerable, um, just imagine the the emotional stress that you would go through. Um, uh, you know, as a, the the stewards of our land. I mean, these are the people who feed all of us, right? Yeah. And, and we and and these these antiquated systems are creating all of this um, all of this stress, and it's it's a huge huge issue. And uh, we've we've now understood, and and we're seeing the kind of really really positive response we're getting to uh, to uh, our solutions. So that's 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 hugely rewarding, um, and you know makes all of us feel really good on a daily basis in in terms of what we're pursuing. Well, so I'm going to give you the opportunity at some point later, I'm making a note to myself right now. I, I do want to hear a little bit more about the farmer's perspective for sure. But the first thing that I want to ask you um, is, is how does fuel positive, how does the work that you're doing fit into the the larger ecosystem? Because just as a, for instance, like one of the things that you just mentioned was supply chain and how, you know, thank you pandemic, like we, we have found some pretty significant holes in sure. our in our you know logistics and supply chain, um, he, he, at least here in the U.S. and I you know you're in Canada. I'm assuming that Canada is much the same. Oh, absolutely. Um, but so so you you are a small but growing part of a very large ecosystem that yes. relies on things like transportation and you know product development, like all of these things. So talk to us a little bit, take us to the 10,000 foot view and talk to us about how fuel positive kind of fits within, within that ecosystem. Yeah. So actually I, I can create a really um, straightforward example. Um, I think that really... examples are my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> this, this should They're be relatively this should be easy to follow from that perspective. So, so you're a farmer, you live in Manitoba um, you use a, a huge amount of fertilizer on fuel and fuel for your farm, right? And today, your fertilizer, um, if you're a Canadian farmer, it could most of it could come from Russia. Uh, a large amount of it could come from Ukraine. Um, and and your and the production of that, uh, those materials are centralized, meaning they're they're produced in huge um, refinery type. Uh, production facilities. Um, there's, you know, a number of them around the world. Uh, then that product is put into uh, a supply chain. So it's ships and it's trains and it's trucks and it's so on. Right. Um, all of which are disrupted um, 
through COVID specifically, um, through the uh, obviously now sanctions related to, um, to, to Russia's attack on Ukraine um, and, and destruction now. We were just reading, I think last week, a number of fertilizer plants were blown up you know, knowing yeah. perfectly well the impact that would have economically for Ukraine, but also the impact to to uh, to farmers around the world. Um, and then on top of that, in Canada, we were just faced with a, a rail strike um, or the threat of a serious rail strike. And of course, those fertilizers are moved by rail in Canada. So not only farmers were facing COVID um, related supply chain issues, war related supply chain issues, and now domestic transportation supply chain issues. So imagine you're sitting on your farm in Manitoba and you're wondering where your 100 to 500 tons of, of, um, of uh, ammonia is going to come from this year and how much yeah. you're going to pay for it. And are you going to get any? Like all of these things, um, just creating this, this level of economic and, and um, uh, mental health stress that I can't even fathom, right? I, like yeah. if you're sitting there and, and all the sources of your, of your income are threatened, um, and then we saw then the cost of fuel go through the roof, right? And right. these are artificial increases in price. But nevertheless, those who rely directly on 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 fuel for means of production, like a farmer, um, is 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 facing exactly those same issues. So so what our what our system does is it takes um, it takes the production of ammonia. And it puts it in a container, so like a shipping container-sized um, um, production little production plant, and it puts it right on the farmer's farm. And as long as the farmer has access to sustainable electricity, so a carbon-free source of electricity, yeah. they can produce their own fertilizer on the farm, and they can produce their own fuel because it's not well known, but ammonia is an incredible replacement for gasoline and diesel. Um, so they can create their own fertilizer and fuel on farm for their needs. They don't have to even look out to the supply chain anymore. Like this is, wow. it's, it's absolute liber, it's a liberating event. And this is what I say, was saying earlier, that like the reaction, like farmers who are thinking of doing this, they see themselves as heroes, right? They see themselves. Sure. And, a, and they're using words like that to describe what they believe the impact of what um, a fuel positive system on their farm could do for them. Yeah. And that's pretty, that's, I mean, that's really inspiring. As I said, for us, I mean, you know, this is why we're doing what we're doing, but we never expected that it would have that kind of a, a deep emotional um, reaction. And it's, 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 it's wonderful. It, it's just wonderful. That, well, I, I am so thrilled to hear that. Like, I just, I mean, the excitement in your voice even is just, it's, it's quite inspiring. So, so thank oh, you. Good. For that. Cause it is, I mean, it's inspiring. I, like it's, you don't, I mean, in, in our lives, often in our work, we're very distant from the people that are touched by what we do. Yeah. Uh, and this is such a direct line. Like there's no middle person in this. Like the our systems, you know, when we're in production, full production, they'll go from our factory to the farmer's field and it'll and, and it's a direct relationship. Right. There's, yeah. there's no from us. There's there's you know, there's no middle people. It's a very, very direct relationship. So that's a very interesting way of conducting business. And and we love it. Yeah. We love the idea. Well, and I, and I love the fact that you are you are so hands on. You're able to be so hands on with your constituents and you're yeah. probably really, really well positioned to listen to your customers. 
Uh, and so, so I'm going to ask you, I told you that I wanted to hear more about the farmer's perspective, but I'm going to ask you to get specific. Can you tell us about a, a really fantastic, like best case youth study, you know, an individual that, that deeply benefited from, from your product? I, I'm just, I, I'm sure that you had, like, you probably have some anecdotal evidence in your back pocket. And I just want, I would, I would love to hear someone's story. Well, it's, it's really, well, our first system, our first system will be on a farm this August. So the, it is, it is being built right now. So we have not yet delivered a, a full commercial system. Okay. okay. So what, but what we have been doing a, a tremendous, a, a tremendous amount of work on is knowing the customer. So, um, and we've been doing this through, um, you know, very formal surveys and um, and one-on-one -on -one interviews uh, and and through our, just through our online presence, we got a huge amount of incoming interest in what we're doing. So our business model um, is is really clearly articulated, right? And so right. our website is really current. It's, it, it's full of, of um, real-time data as we progress towards delivering our initial system. Um, yeah. And we've got and we've got all other demonstration systems lined up right now. So the first farmer who's getting a system um, farms is in Manitoba, farms about 10,000 acres, um, grows uh, crops that are intended for human consumption. So these are very efficient crops that are designed to feed people directly mm -hmm. and has um, is an incredibly sophisticated farmer. So they they know exactly how to utilize um, the type of fertilizer that we're creating, which is a very dominant um, form of fertilizer, very, very high concentration. Okay. And they're so excited. Like this is this particular <laughs> farmer just, I, I mean, they can't wait to get it, right? They're, uh, right? And they're the same farmers who are, you know, like farmers around the world who are facing these, the cost and supply chain issues that, I, that we talked about earlier. But um, so it will revolutionize the way that they operate their business. And they realize that it gives them a level of independence and control that they don't have. Right. right. And, and have had no way of getting until something like this um, was available to them. So, um, so there, there you go. I mean, over the next year we will have, I mean, just tons of anecdotal real yeah, on the farm experience, but but we can anticipate at this point exactly what, um, exactly what the response is going to be because of the level of interest and in that and farmers are just really honest about how they talk about their the problems and issues that they right. face. Um, a really open, transparent um, community in that sense. I mean, honestly, like, is is it sometimes a little too too honest? I, I I've talked to some farmers in my time, and sure. man, they're, they're going to tell you what they are, what what they believe. Oh yeah, uh, which, you know, <laughs> right. which I I love. Uh, so so really, your your ideal farmer is is one who's innovation minded. What like talk to us about your ideal client? Well, it's it's two things. One, it's it's a farmer who is facing the hardships that we help address, right? Yeah. And the reality of those farmers is that's pretty well every farmer. Like, there's yeah, not a be, farmer. It feels like it should be most. <laughs> it is most, right? And and they don't, as you said, they don't they don't hold their punches when they they tell you about the hardships, and right. and they're real, like they're real. And it's great to have a product that 
can help answer um, those those issues. Yeah. The the other um, quality or aspect, and this is becoming much more prevalent, we're finding as well as we reach out to a broad range of, of farmers, is concern for the environment. So there's not only, I, I mean, concern, sustainability, making sure their farms are healthy, the, the soil is healthy, the water is healthy, for the purposes of passing on their 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 farms to their you know to their families offspring what have you um so that's a really important part of it but also the idea that and the understanding that farming um traditional uh farming is is a heavy polluter like there's a lot of emissions that come out of farming not only on the fossil fuel side of things but but also on fertilizers you know leaching into the water and into the air and so on um, that that farmers who really resonate again towards what we're doing are very much focused on that as well. So they have right. a deep concern about the environment uh, and they want to, you know, facilitate change that doesn't ruin their business. Right. Because so th- when it comes right down to it, and farmers remind us of this, they're businesses, right? They're business people. They've got to make a living. Um, right. You can't offer them something that will fix the environment, but won't be sustainable as a business. You know what I mean? So, so that's a really, and they they happen to represent a business that is one of the cornerstones of our entire society. So it's not as though it's like expendable. Uh, (laughs) No, exactly. Farmers can't fail. Like they just can't, right. They just can't fail. No, I, I love that. Well, you know, I got to break in here just for a moment. And, you know, speaking of businesses that uh, kind of underpin technology at any rate, today's episode of Startup Hustle is sponsored by Fullscale.io. And they can help you build a software team quickly and affordably. I will tell you that I have met countless Fullscale clients and every single one that I talk to, uh, one of the things that they talk about is the fact that it, it is so convenient to work with full scale. And as you know, entrepreneurs, you folks listening at home, anything that can make our jobs easier as we make our way into the world, anybody that can help you take out the stress of building a tech product, uh, you know, we want to give major kudos to that. So thank you to, to full scale for helping us out with Startup Hustle, taking care of us, but also creating mechanisms by which entrepreneurs can thrive. Uh, we And that's what we're talking about here. We're talking about people for thriving. We are here with Ian Clifford of Fuel Positive. Uh, and, and we're talking about we're talking about a lot of things, really. We're talking about farming and sustainability and agriculture and, and footprint and, and all of these really, really interesting topics. So Ian, I'm going to pop right back into it. And I, mm-hmm. I'm going to, I'm going to ask you, I know that you have this, I know, I know that you have this information down, but you know, as someone who has long been watching, uh, y- you can call it many different fields, ecology, sustainability, um, you know, conservation, talk to us about, talk to us about that. Like what is the current state of of our society, how are we we preparing? What are you seeing, like trend wise? How are we preparing to create a better world? It, it's a it's that is a, a huge fasc- question, by the it, way. It's, it's I, huge, I know that <laughs> it's a huge question, and it's a fascinating question because it it depends who you ask. It depends, obviously, what sector you're looking at, right? So if you're looking at sectors that have been the longtime polluters um, and the, the you know the worst proponents of 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 the re- the reason where we are where we are today, right? Um, you'll see 
um, in many cases, you'll sort of see lip service in terms of making, you know, making serious and meaningful change. So that's one one issue that I think we have to be really cautious about when we when we really analyze where change, real change is happening um, and and distinguishing between that. It's funny, you know, I, we on our website, we, we quote uh, Greta Thunberg, who's a, the young Swedish environmentalist. And, and, you know, she basically says that we have all the technology we need to do. I'm paraphrasing to, to fix yeah. things. We just have to do it. Right. Right. So, and, and this has been a big, big part of our mantra is saying, we know what the problems are. We know what the technology is to fix things today. Like this, we don't have yeah. to plan 10, 20, 30 years in the future because we've been doing that for the last 30 years and it hasn't happened. Right. So her point is that, you got to implement things that that work today that make a difference and and this again became the kind of the cornerstone of what we're doing and the importance of actually doing something where there is immediate result and it's not you're not you know you're not offsetting things you're actually making an immediate change positive change to to environmental yeah. um, environmental improvement environmental imperative right so 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 that's an, that's a really really part, important part of it so when i look at any technology out there or any plan that's out there i'm really interested in in understanding how how immediate the res, the result is right yeah. so there's an immediacy when you replace a carbon fuel like a tractor um with a non-carbon fuel like anhydrous ammonia right so there's right. an immediate benefit um and i know you got it's you know sort of one tractor at a time right but it is it, it, there are you know millions and in the case of vehicles billions of vehicles on the road today and we've got to decarbonize that fleet and we're not going to right. replace them with electric cars tomorrow. So what can we do as we step through the next decade to make fundamental change? So those are the, I, I think the, the, the discussion around immediacy is a really, really important one. Yeah. Uh, and then we, we need to support technologies and companies that are, are facilitating immediate change because we've got to stop the, you know, we got to slow down and stop this curve uh, as yeah. quickly as we possibly can. Well, and one of the things that we were talking about before we, we hit the record button, and I will always regret that because now that conversation is lost to the ether. Uh, but one of the things that we were talking about is individualism and the fact that, you know, you, you have... Thus far, I feel is that, and correct me if I'm wrong, please, but thus far, I feel as though we've been kind of leaning on the individual to mm -hmm. enact small incremental change, like go out and get that electric car and right. go out, you know, stop, re reduce, reuse, re recycle, you know, you, you stay, I don't know, keep your rainwater, you know, any of those sure. things. We, we hear a lot of that. Like, what are the ways? But but when we ask our society to do that, we, we ask an individual to, in many cases, make sacrifice. Right. And that's a really difficult thing to do. And we, we've seen that, like, even with the pandemic, you know, there are many, many people out there who are like, hey, you want me to wear a mask, even though it's not the most comfortable thing? Great. I'm going to pop that mask on because it protects me, but it also protects the people around me. But that sure. that is that represents sacrifice. And I think sometimes that it's it's really difficult to ask people to act against their own individual self-interest. And so when we're asking people to make these changes, often we're asking them to sacrifice, but you've created a win-win. 
kind of situation. Mm-hmm. You know, the planet wins, your company wins, the farmer wins because you, you've created a mechanism by which the farmers can improve their bottom line, make their job easier, but then also happen to benefit the environment, which, which benefits right. us all. And so I, I'm really interested like what are some other i guess companies or trends that you've you've heard of coming down the pipeline that we need to invest in because they represent this level of of significant change and fast right. change and change that isn't disruptive to people who might fight against it does that does that make sense as a question <laughs> yeah absolutely it makes sense and and it, it and it's a, it's a really good question so I often point to the solar industry. So the 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 uh, just the improvements to solar technology over the last couple of decades, and the the reduction in costs, and the increase in in efficiency, and in, in positive increase in efficiency, um, is a great example because it's sort of invisible to people and you're right that it's hard for people to to you know think about their individual um choices and so on when well, there are such big issues out there right sometimes it's that you know people are resistant to change people are sure. resistant to the unknown no matter the reason like individualism is the one that i just like picked up but there are any number of reasons that, that right. make it difficult to get buy in on some of these right. things yeah, no, you're right. And it's, again, it's, and you know, countries don't, can't necessarily legislate people to change the way they do things, but they can, I mean, intelligent governments can make um, industries and sectors change the way that they do things. And yeah. and I think that's absolutely critical. I think that, and, and creating incentive to do that, you know, so, and, you know, use a, a, a use positive reinforcement as opposed right. to negative in the sense that, you know, you, you create financial incentives for change, right. which, which are extremely relevant and, and, and really, really important. Um, but I go back to solar, um, mainly because on the farm, you know, where real estate isn't, um, isn't typically an issue, um, you could have large solar arrays that would power your farm system. So you could actually run your farm off grid. So you would yeah. have you know, again, you could produce your own fertilizer, your own fuel, all of which would be powered by solar, um, by solar energy. And that's completely feasible. And that takes it down to an individual. Interestingly, it takes it down to an individual level because a farm is, you know, an individual family's business typically, uh, or it's a corporate farm, but it's run by people. Right. So, right. And these are people making really profound change right on the ground where they're, where they're working. Um, so those kinds of changes are are very very significant, and then we see things, you know, around uh, around food and food supply and all of those things. So, um, you know, and this, then this comes down to you know plant based proteins versus animal proteins. Um, you see a huge amount of movement now in in companies like Beyond, you know, Beyond Meat and Impossible Foods, and yeah, um, and there are a bunch of them who are basically creating meat uh, animal replacements that are so efficient. I mean, yeah. forget about, you know, for, forget about the ethics, all that look at, look at the savings in terms of water and energy and, oh, for sure. and footprint. It's profound. And, and quite frankly, I mean, we sort of have a joke, you know, in the company people, 
you know, invite people over for a barbecue and you put a bunch of Beyond Meat burgers on the grill and nobody knows that they're eating a plant-based burger. <laughs> it's so, just so I, I do I, I do have a quick question though. You know, you had sure. mentioned in our in our pre pre prep that you uh, lead a plant plant based lifestyle. Have you tried the Impossible Burger? I have tried. I, I've tried all of them. And yeah. I've tried all of the plant-based cheeses, like, you know, and we, you know, my partner and I, we, she and I, we were, you know, we were big meat eaters and we were big cheese and dairy yeah. consumers. And, and, and we, you know, we stopped a number of years ago for two reasons. One, I mean, there was a, there, there was sort of the ethical issue, which is very, very significant, but, but on top of that, just the sustainability question, just the, the whole question around feeding the planet, right, is is a huge issue. So yeah. when we see when we now see companies, and this kind of goes back to, to to Greta's comment, the technology is all there to do this. I mean, you right. can shift over to, you know, plant-based milks and cheeses and everything. I mean, it's it, it, you could go on and on. I mean, it's it's incredible. Um, you know, and you, you go into restaurants now and many restaurants will have a full page of plant-based options. Like it's, yeah. a, it, it's mind boggling. And this is like over the last couple of years. So again, it's sort of the writing on, is on the wall, like gasoline writings on the wall, yeah. what we eat, how we feed the world writings on the wall. It's a question of how quickly things will change uh, and what will help facilitate those changes. I, I believe that strongly. And, you know, and, and for our company, um, we want to help farmers succeed, and we believe that into the future that will be a shift towards uh, towards um, uh, plant based proteins because that's what's going to feed the world. Um, and and I think that's a well un that's becoming a much more well understood fact. Yeah. Well, I am. Absolutely thrilled to hear that, and thank you so much for such a such a comprehensive view. You know the, these. These industries, they're 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 new, and and I, I so my my husband he lives in a uh, he, he's from a somewhat rural area, um, and it, it's been interesting. Like when we drive home to visit his family, we've seen all of these uh, wind turbines and like just all of these different mechanisms pop up in our ride, and it's like, huh, you know, it's 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 penetrating middle America, because again, the value proposition has become so strong that it's, it's unavoidable as, as a way of doing business and a way of making business more efficient in these agrarian areas. Uh, and, and so it's been fascinating to see, and I'm just, I'm thrilled to see companies like yours, you know, clearly, uh, you know, based on our conversation and you have a very, um, pure reason behind what you do. And so to see, to see that, uh, I don't know, exist within the paradigm of profit is absolutely fantastic. Like I, I social impact organizations, enterprises always thrill me. So just thank you for the work that oh, you do. No, you're so welcome. And, and yeah, and, and again, you can, you can have, you can create a very profitable business that can facilitate meaningful change. They're not yeah. mutually exclusive. Like it's not, there's a, there's a real ability to, um, to meet both of those objectives. Without yeah, it any, doesn't, without question. Yeah. It doesn't nef necessarily have to be people and purpose over profit when you can have exactly. all three. No, we have uh, to have all three yeah. and we have to take care of people, right? I mean, that's yeah. the most important part of this. We're taking care of the planet in order to take care of the planet. You got to take care of the people on it. And, yeah. and, and we believe that firmly. Well, I'm going to ask you, I'm going to ask you to talk to the people. 
for a minute. One of the things that I like to do on my episodes of Startup Hustles, I like to ask our guests, you know, not everybody can go out and start a, you know, social enterprise. Not everybody's going to go out and try to solve the problem of, you know, fossil fuels and, and carbon and, you know, not everybody's going to do that. And so I'm going to ask you, what can our listeners do? In, in their day-to-day to support what you're doing and to create a more sustainable, whether it's a sustainable business model or world, you know, what are some tactical things that they could do today to, to help? Well, as, as entrepreneurs, it's the, you, you're by definition making choices every single day. It's about moving. It's about uh, it's about alignment. It's about who you associate with, and so on. I strongly recommend, and I've I've learned this, you know, over the last couple of decades. Um, there's two pieces to it. One is who do you work with within your own own organization? So, yeah. do you have a set of values? Um, do you have a mission statement that resonates with everybody you work with? You have to be so selective in terms of who you choose to work with, but also from the individual looking for the job, you should be looking for um, a fit where um, where your values are represented as well. And then you can create an amazing team of people. Um, so that's sort of at the, at the company level, the internal level there. Um, but then the company has to choose who they do business with as well, right? Wow. So if you're if you're working with you know companies that are enlightened that clearly understand environmental imperative that really care about um, the the you know the not only the social um, uh, that not just their social uh, footprint but also their environmental footprint that truly um, are embracing a sustainability model throughout their enterprise and so on, if companies like that continue to join forces. Um, it's, it'll be unstoppable. I mean, that's what I'm seeing at least is, you know, as the imperatives become more and more clear, um, the choice of who you work with becomes more and more important because you can get things done. Uh, if you choose the wrong partners, they can, they can slow you down. They can, you know, they can ruin a great initiative. So the choice of partnership is, is a huge, huge, um, piece of the puzzle. Well, and, and, and it's a fair, it's one of those things that, you know, feels kind of intuitive, but yeah, you know, healthy reminder, like you as, as the, the founder and the entrepreneur, you have the power to choose who you do business with. Exactly. So, so the, the ask is that you choose rightly and you do your research well, and you make sure that you're working with organizations that are vision and mission aligned with exactly. what you're doing. And, yeah. And, and Lauren, I can't, I can't stress that enough because a, a lot of entrepreneurs will be driven just by profit and by yeah. um, margin and that sort of thing. But, but it, it has to go much deeper. And especially now in the environmental you know, imperative that we live in on yeah. as a planet, we've got to make those, but we've got to make those choices for it, you know, first and foremost. Yeah, um, for sure. Or, yeah, or, or, you know, we can, we, it's easy to get off track and it's easy to get bogged down and, or, or worse. Yeah. Well, and I, and I, I, you know, bless you for sharing all of that. That is, is, Awesome advice. Uh, and I invite any of the folks playing along at home to, you know, take a really good critical look and, and make sure that you're you're existing in a sustainable way and space. I'm gonna ask you, Ian, I'm really curious. Um, mm-hmm. you know, we've talked a lot about the the kind of 
that ecosystem that, that we referenced and we've talked about the farmers, but now I want to talk about you and I want to ask, you know, what do you see coming down the pipeline for fuel positive over the course of the next, I don't know, let's say five years, like where, where do you see the company growing to? Uh, well, we have a initially we have a really strong Canadian focus. Um, mm-hmm. Our technology is developed in Canada. We're building um, our uh, manufacturing capacity in Canada to start with, and we're demonstrating our technology across Canada. So um, I think the next couple of years will be real growth uh, in Canada. Um, but as I said earlier, we're getting inquiry from from farmers and other organizations around the world. So I don't think it'll be long before we have an international growth um, plan, uh, you know, established and announced. Yeah. Um, so, um, so we will be exporting this technology and our, and our, and our systems around the world. Um, we're building them. They're all containerized, as I said earlier, so that they're easy to move around, yeah. um, which is really important. Um, so we can build them here. We can deliver them anywhere in the world, um, depending, again, on supply chain. So it's very possible that we would also set up some international manufacturing of what we're doing yeah. um, as well. So we could grow um, very large, very, very quickly. And I've you know, part of our hiring process is to make sure we've got the best people um, who can manage that level of growth. Uh, we expect things will 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 happen extremely fast, as I said, just given the level of interest and the and the imperative. Yeah. So, the other thing that's really great is we're getting a lot of government interest um, and and support. So. I should but, certainly hope so. Yeah. So, <laughs> and it's, yeah, farming and food are, you know, sort of foundational to any uh, any country. Yeah. And um and and seeing in Canada right now federally and provincially a real focus on on technology, on emissions control and reduction, on productivity um uh, is is really great to see. So yeah. we we believe that we'll get a lot of support, and and that's not just going to be limited to Canada. That'll be uh, that'll be around the world. Um, we believe as well. well so I, for one, am super excited to see Fuel Positive here in the states. Not yeah. that you should let that influence your rollout strategy, but you know. Just oh no say, no it's just saying yeah, no when where <laughs> you are you know in the Midwest. I mean the. You know the demand yeah, is. Yeah, we is we, huge. we love our farmers here in the Midwest. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, it's essential. Uh, all right. Well, uh, Ian, I have to ask you, and actually, I have no idea what I'm about to ask. It's just going to fly out of my mouth as I talk because I've been so fascinated by the conversation. I have not formulated anything yet, but I <laughs> I am going to ask you the human question, and I am going to ask you. Uh, if you could have an unlimited amount of money to spend on one luxury thing, because I, I feel like servant, like servant leaders who are like all about impact and like socially conscious issues, like sometimes we forget about ourselves. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to ask you, you have an unlimited amount of money to spend on one purely luxury, purely for you item. What is it? Um, I would buy up as much farmland as possible and i would convert it over to permaculture um, as a way of restoring um, environmental balance 
Um, and, and that, that is yeah. not, that is not, that is social good. What are you doing? <laughs> I don't know. I don't, you know, it's funny because I don't, I, there's, I don't sort of sit here wanting for anything. It's like, it's a little weird. I, it's, I, maybe it's just because I'm Canadian. I don't know what it is, but I don't, I don't have, when you ask me if I had all the money in the world to buy something, I wouldn't buy anything. I would do something with it. All it's, right. It's well, a, so does that, maybe does that's that the make answer. your heart feel good? Like, is that the selfish no, in, in, piece no, in of it? I mean, I'll, yeah. I'll allow it. I'm not super psyched about it. <laughs> I don't know. No, I don't I'm, know. I'm, I'm also not probably, surprised. <laughs> it would have something to do with sailing and the wind. There you like, go. Get yourself okay. a, ni- a really nice like sailboat or something, man. There you go. There, let's, let's, let's go with that. <laughs> all right. All right. But okay. I love that your instinct was like, well, I'm going to do something to take care of the world. <laughs> but that doesn't count. Yeah. Got it. So yeah, we'll stick to sailing. All that's right. Because well, there's no I, I, gas, there's no fossil fuel, and you're just relying on the wind. <laughs> it's well, both. I, I love that, and uh, thank you for sharing that little piece of yourself, and thank you for for taking the time to to chat with us here on the show. This has been great. Oh, it's a pleasure. Anytime. I mean, th- th- these kinds of conversations are great. And and I, I would love to have a similar conversation and invite one of our farmers on as well. Oh, I think man. It would be so cool just to, so know, cool. to go down that path. Because it's one, th- <laughs> for me, it's always, it's one thing a company talking about something, but yeah. it's always so much more important, you know, the end user and the yeah, experience. Yeah, you need, you need to hear who you've touched, who's exactly. whose life you've yeah. impacted for sure. I, no, I Agreed. love that idea. Uh, also, you know who else we love around Startup Hustle? We love today's sponsor. Once again, today's episode of Startup Hustle was sponsored by Fullscale. They can help you build a software team quickly and affordably. I uh, also want to mention, uh, some of you may not know this, many of you probably do, but find us on Facebook, Startup Hustle. Uh, we actually have a chat group where you can talk to the hosts. We can continue conversations that we had on different episodes. Super, super cool. Also invite you to keep an eye out Matt DeCourcy has launched a series on NFTs. So if you have been wondering what NFTs are all about, uh, we have a 10-part series coming your way to explain uh, and definitely keep an eye out that for that. Friends, I'm your host, Lauren Conaway, and I love spending this time with you week after week. And we really appreciate that you take the time out of your busy schedules to listen to Startup Hustle. Thanks for listening, and we will catch you on the flip side. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time.